In this podcast, Pamela Barty, a Forbes 30 under 30 entrepreneur and developer of a $100 million real estate empire, will share her inspiring underdog comeback story. And along with those of her guests, she'll share how you too, as an underdog, can rise up and succeed against all odds. Here's your host, Pamela Barty. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Underdog. Today, I have an amazing guest here with me. Stephanie, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, my gosh. Thanks so much for being here. You are radiating, and I'm just so excited to hear you and your story. It's so dynamic. It's so fun, and I just can't wait to get into it. Thank you so much for being here, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited. So I'm going to start you off with the most loaded question humanly possible. What started you and what inspired you on your journey to where you are today? Yeah, it was really uh, more necessity more so than inspiration. I was in chronic pain. I had chronic back pain for years, starting when I was a teenager. And I just, you know, had enough. I wanted out. I wanted out of pain and had to, you know, wanted to try to figure out what it was going to work for me because the things, the typical things that they prescribe were not working. That was the start of the healing journey for me. And then I applied what I knew and was able to put that to work to help other people. So in a nutshell, so what did you want to be when you grew up? Just curious. Oh God, are you kidding me? I wanted to be a marine biologist. And then I wanted to be a, like a sports medicine. I have a lot of different interests. I was kind of all over the place. I get a lot of things interest me. I'm a very curious person by nature. So if something excites me, like I just want to know more about it and I can really like get into that world for a while and then be like, okay, cool. What else is out there? You know? So, which has actually served me, I think really well, because in, in trying to find my way, it required me to really investigate, deeply investigate all the different things out there and figure out what was going to be the magic combination for me, as opposed to, because what ends up happening, especially anybody who's had that chronic back pain or any kind of chronic pain, you end up just being at the mercy of the medical system. I was tired of that. So when you start feeling like, all right, I need to figure this out, you know, you just need to be like, I'm going to spend some time. I'm going to invest some energy in this and, and learning everything I can. Absolutely. So when did that pain start for you? Like how, about how old? I was a teenager and it was on and off. I attributed it to playing sports and stuff. And then in my twenties, it got extreme. And that's when I got my first big diagnosis. Like you've got degenerative disc disease and multiple disc herniations. And then all the, you know, you could possibly be on, you know, you'll be disabled, you know, at some point, you know, like lots of like scary, scary stuff. It was a lot. And, you know, then I was told, you know, I wasn't a surgical candidate because it was degenerative and that even if they repaired it, it would continue to happen. And then some other changes in my back, I actually had some pieces of herniated disc like splinter off. So they actually had to go in and do surgery to remove them. But even then, like maybe that will be the thing. And then that didn't, you know, that didn't help it. And then concurrently, I was like, I need to figure this out. And I I had watched uh, Dr. Ben Benjamin told the story several times. I was just on YouTube, just like desperate <laughs> searching. And uh, this video popped up of a, a doctorly looking person, man in a white coat, with people on massage tables doing like these like really non-massage looking things, like very medical hands-on, like almost like a sports yeah. athletic trainer might do or a physical therapist a little bit. And I was like, who is this guy? What's this about? And I looked into it and I was like, 
what? Medical massage is a whole thing and amazing. Usually what you end up doing is you feel like, I'm going to learn how to do that so I can figure it out myself. Unfortunately, his school had closed in the meantime. I've actually met him. I've been, I've been him as a client several times, so it was pretty cool to be able to meet him in person. But anyway, I ended up just enrolling in massage school, deciding that I'm going to make pain my business. I'm going to figure out, you know, why people are, uh, you know, have pain and what can I do? That was always my thing. I didn't want the spa massage. I had no interest in doing that. I wanted like that, you know, how can I get in there and really, you know, fix this? So massage school, of course, you know, educationally, when it comes to like deep science, you know, it's very light, you know, it's, you're not going to get that, you know, real, you know, much deeper level that I was looking for. I was looking for like, I want to know how the brain functions in terms of how the pain, you know, we got like kind of a, you know, an overview as much as you need to do this kind of work, but I knew I was going to need more. So I just embarked on my own sort of investigation and came across Dr. Laura Mosley, who's an Australian researcher who does a ton of work about basically nervous system sensitization, which essentially is just that like pain, like gets amped up and that you can have that in the absence of structural damage. And that the structural damage that we're seeing on MRIs is really just happenstance. You know, that isn't necessarily and usually not the cause for the pain. And that was just like this massive like light bulb. I was like, oh my God. So, you know, I'm putting these two things together. And then, you know, the more I started to read his work, I just noticed I haven't done anything different and my back is already like calming down. I was having fewer flares in the chronic, because in massage school with chronic back pain, that sucks. You know, I bought an inversion table. I was upside down in my apartment every night after clinic. I'm here, I'm going to do this, you know, because I get very like, it may take me a while to kind of figure out where I'm going to go. But once I decide I'm freaking going, like, I don't care. It's ha- it's happening. It's happening. <laughs> so I was like hanging upside down like a bat, like all throughout massage school, doing all this stuff on the side, trying to really learn all this. And then it, it came to pass that I was like, oh, wow. Like I'm now, I really got to a point where I could just turn that down just using the understanding. It was the understanding piece. And what I realized was, is that I no longer had fear because when it's, don't move your back, you might break something. Don't move your back, you've got that brittle herniated disc. In my mind, I'm picturing a stack of Pringles. And I'm like, don't breathe, don't sneeze, you're done for, you know? And you can't live like that. Your body is constantly amped up, you're constantly tense. So how do you move when you're like that? And that is so many years of conditioning physically. And that's basically, unfortunately, the sad part is it's really an unintended side effect for a lot of people when they go and they get these information, this information from doctors and they don't really get the whole story. You know, because if it was followed up with, actually, you have this, but just so you know, there have been studies done, MRIs of people's backs that have pain and don't have pain. And there's no correlation in the pain group with the condition of their back. There are people with the perfect MRIs that have back pain. And then there are people that have MRIs that look like a war zone and they don't have back pain. So it's not structural. It's not. It was like, oh. Okay, all right, now it's making sense. And then after that, I discovered Dr. John Sarno. A little late to the party I was on that because had I discovered his work like years earlier, and he, because he wrote some of his early books in the 80s, so I absolutely could have come across them and didn't. And he was the one that talked about the fact of the mind body split. You know, when with that Cartesian influence with medicine, we're going to cut the mind from the body and there are, there are two separate entities. And he believes that the increase in a lot of these autoimmune issues, physical pain, you know, maladies, back pain, you know, the instances of back pain in this country are outrageous. And he was talking about this back then. Now it's even worse. He believes it is because we repress as a culture. 
we repress things, what I like to call things that make us feel gross. We repress our anger, we repress our shame, all those really uncomfortable feelings in a lot of us. And whether that be because you're sensitive or because you've experienced trauma, there's a whole host of reasons why. But at the end of the day, we're pushing things down, you know, when it's like holding a beach ball underwater, like how long can you do that? Eventually it has to come out and it comes out in our bodies, in pain, in our immune systems attacking ourselves because it's got to come out somewhere. And then I was like, oh, and he has a whole, a whole list of personality traits and people that tend towards what he coined as tension myositis syndrome, which basically means muscles get tight, but he believes it's a response to psychological stressors, but there's a whole list of personality traits, people pleasers, he calls them goodists people pleasers, perfectionists, people with poor boundaries, you know, people that just want to be liked. There's a whole like personality type that's prone to this. And I was like, oh boy, (laughs) that sounds really familiar. I, I saw myself in his words and then started spending a ton of time really tuning into myself for, I think probably the first time in my life. It never even occurred to me to like look in the prospect that sensations occur in my body that I'm not aware of was like, or that I should be aware of and I wasn't was such a foreign concept to me. It was like, what? What do you mean? And that emotions aren't thoughts, you know, emotions are feelings, but we attach the words and say, I feel mad and not the feeling in our chest, that welling up of anger or whatever it is that we're like pushing down, we don't even know about. So uh, once I saw that, I was like, this all makes sense. And this is the direction that needs to go. And then I decided I wanted to fight and become a fighter that was all kind of happening at the same time. And I even used a lot of those techniques with that, like playing with the emotion of fear so that when the stakes were high, I was already used to it. I would like practice intentionally invoking a fearful state in myself and then calming myself down. I would picture myself like getting in the ring to fight and then allowing all that like, (gasps) holy shit to build up. And then I'd be like, "Eh, but you're really not. This is just in your head. You're cool. And I'd calm myself down and I would do that over and over again. So that leading up to it, if I did kind of have a moment of panic that I'd already addressed it, like, no, we've been here. We're cool. Like We can do this. That was the other thing is I also have PTSD diagnosis. So I was very wary as much as like my desire to do this. I was like, the real fact is I may practice and be ready. And then I get in the ring and then just have a panic attack. And, you know, like, what is it? What in the Brady Bunch when the red light comes on, you know? <laughs> yeah. I'm I mean- dating myself here, but right. That's what I thought of. I'm like, what happened? I mean, I think I can do this. I, in my heart, I know I can do this, but is something going to happen? Is the conditions are different, the crowd, the lights, the music, like, is that going to, you know, trigger something in me where I'm going to be like, you know, and freeze up. So I wanted to make sure that that wasn't going to happen, but it was just incredible. Wow. I know I've gone on for quite a bit about this, but it is all the same thing. And I think that's really what I want to impress upon people is that like all of that is the same stuff. It's that connection between the mind and the body. It's the stuff that we push in that we don't want to feel. We don't want to feel fear. We don't want to feel shame and we don't want to feel anger because our subconscious has decided that those are inappropriate emotions, especially for women. And it makes us push them down and push them down. And when you don't realize that's been happening and you're like spinning out of control health wise, it's like, it's just like flipping a switch. All of a sudden you're like, oh, wait a minute. You know, this is really all much more under my control than I ever thought possible. Right. And I love what you're mentioning about the mind body connection, right? Because traditional medicine, it seems like everything's just so separated. Oh, take this for a headache. But the side effect of me, you might get, I don't know, stomach cramps. Like, it's just like the crazy, like modern medicine just drives me up a wall. 
Like, how do you give antidepressants that have side effects of suicide? Mm-hmm. And if you just go back to ancient teachings, right? And then the teachers that you mentioned that talk about this is all interconnected and everything is energy. So right. those people who don't have the back pain, they probably have other emotions that are suppressed and you can easily see those in the MRI. Like energy is everything. And I've also learned recently that emotions can get stored in certain parts of your body. Yes. And it's like, you can cure these autoimmune, no matter what it is, if you just address that friggin' emotion, you know, and it's all here, all in the mind. And it's just, it's so mind blowing, but I love that in the last five years, healing has taken on like a whole new wave, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. traditional healing, like what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. You cured yourself. I mean, because I can only imagine dealing with chronic back pain, how debilitating that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like a constant mental battle. But then when you said you you tuned inward, that kind of changed the game. Yep. Right. Because before, what were doctors telling you? Like, oh, like what were they even prescribed? They were like uh, bed rest. So this is like back in the mid early 90s. Wow. So this was a couple weeks of bed rest modified duty, you know, all this stuff. Here's a bunch of Vicodin because this is pre-opioid epidemic. So they were just like, here you go. And I'm like, my knee hurts. What's happening? My, <laughs> Like I had like weird pains in other parts of my body. I'm like, this probably isn't the right stuff. Yeah. They're just like, here, just take whatever. And then when it comes out, the problem is, is that I think that the whole, the mind body connection in medicine has a marketing issue. That's what I believe. It's got really poor marketing because mind body immediately sounds very like yoga-ish. And all the more mainstream kind of folks aren't going to be on board with that. They're going to be like, what? Mind, body? What is that? Some kind of, like, you know, they kind of hear that and they think it means something that it doesn't. And then you look at what Western medicine does and then they turn around and they call it psychosomatic. I mean, psychosomatic means psycho, you know, meaning your psychology, your brain, and soma means the body. It means it's the medical term, you know, or your Latin root for mind body. But instead, it's been used as a derogatory term to say they're faking it. And when you hear, oh, it's psychosomatic, that's the intent behind it. Even though that's not even what the term means, but the intent behind it always like, it's all in their head, <laughs> you know, not like it's all in your head because your head and body are connected. And that's a major issue. And there's just, it's frustrating because there's no money in this. You know, Dr. Sarno, if anyone's curious, I mean, look up his story. Here's a guy who was derided by his peers. They made fun of him behind his back. And then because he would look at someone and be like, Samar, you're fine. Here's what you need to do. You know, and he would have like lectures and have people come in and he would tell them the truth and people would have spontaneous remissions and they all thought he was a nut. Meanwhile, some of these doctors, it was like Rusk, School of Medicine and part of NYU, they would like secretly see him. Like they didn't want anyone to know, but he still never, ever got anywhere close to what the accolades that he deserved. You know, there's a few like memorial websites where people like post their stories. Howard Stern is some, a big fan of his. He cured Howard Stern, Larry David. Yeah. I'm just so intrigued. Like what was his process? And like how- His process was basically saying, you got to feel your emotions, dudes. Stop suppressing your anger. Like, that's the thing. It was a no treatment. That's what sucked because they couldn't profit off it because he's not cutting. He's not drugging. He's not doing anything. He's like, you're totally fine. You've got so much repressed anger there and you need to work on getting that out. And he had a system that he would prescribe. It was a three list system and it was a past current personality. So on your past list, 
you would write down like bullet point, like everything that ever pissed you off as a child, anything traumatic, when the kid made fun of you, when you wet your pants, the really horrible thing that happened with the uncle, like no matter what it is, it goes on the list. And then you do another list that's current day. What is it about your life today that's really stressing you? And then the third list is personality traits. What are my personality traits that contribute to this? And then it was like an expressive writing activity. You know, what he wanted was to really expound, to not intellectualize. Well, I understand as a child, it could have been hard. No, it should be like that fucking asshole for doing that to me. That's the real shit. You know, we spin a story so that it sounds good in our head so that we can repeat it. It's not supposed to be that. It's supposed to be the ugly, dark thought. Sometimes I hate being a mother and I hate my kids. Like that's the stuff that he wants people to put down on paper. And then you can get rid of it, you throw it away. Like this isn't like a nice journal that you're passing down. But it was a way of emptying that rage. You know, one of his uh, documentaries called All the Rage. It's that all of that shit, all of those gross emotions, they go somewhere. You know, and it just becomes this really, I think, just mucked up, repressed anger, resentment, rage. Again, all those gross things people don't want to feel because they're so uncomfortable. So again, it was like, but at the same time, it's like, he's the specialist and he's, they're looking at him like, you're doing what? And he's like, here, write these lists. You're fine. You know, there's nothing wrong with you, you know? And sometimes that would be enough. And they were like, he's a nut, but he wasn't. He was brilliant and very, very, very dedicated. Wow. I'm going to definitely check him out. That's incredible. That's incredible. So for you, so you went to massage school and then after that, like walk me through your trajectory after that happened. I started seeing a lot of people and I started seeing it myself. I had seen it myself and then I would see it in clients like this is getting no people. They share things here and there. And you're like, this isn't all just physical injuries. You know, some people, I work with a lot of athletes in my business. So sometimes like, absolutely, that's clear. But these people that have these things that have been going on for months and years, all of a sudden you get to talking to them and they're like, oh, that's why. You know, I worked with a woman who was the CEO for a big, huge company who was just having these chronic issues in her body, just chronic pain. And she was active and stuff. And, but like really was a, she's a big way and very well known. And she ended up all of a sudden was like, I'm feeling great. I'm like, what happened? She was like, I I sold my share in the company. (laughs) She's like, all of a sudden, when all those pressures were lifted off of her, physically, she just felt so much better. So I started seeing that pattern over and over again. And I'm like, there's definitely more to this, I think. So I started coming up with ways that people can kind of like exercises that people can do to sort of explore that emotional terrain. I did an educational series beginning of this year, called a brain boot camp where you kind of can learn about like how your brain kind of like trying to debunk a lot of the beliefs about the way it works and the mind body connection and how those things intersect and then how it affects us. Cause then, and then as a subset of that, I ended up now I have a Facebook group where I work with a lot of, it's all for women called no boundaries because that people pleasing, it's a little sneaky thing on my part, because when you have the chronic pain and you try to talk to someone about their chronic pain, they don't want to hear how their chronic pain isn't something that's broken. They're like, no, it's my back. Like they don't want to hear. I need to do this emotional work. If you can reel them in using something different, like let's work on your boundary issues in your people pleasing and you can get them to focus on the actual behaviors then all of a sudden it has that ancillary effect of like oh wait a minute because now what happens I've got some boundaries I'm not feeling so resentful I'm able to carve time out for myself and that turns down the dial because of of your nervous system being constantly cranked up like everyone's pulling at me and I have to be say the right thing or do the right thing or whatever pressures that people put on themselves it's kind of a nice way to get in through the back door be like 
let's work on this. Or even just doing simple, like tolerating uncomfortable emotions. I have an exercise with that where you don't recall the worst thing that ever happened in your life. Like, let's keep this reasonable. But everyone has those like middle of the road, shameful moments where, you know, you said the wrong line at the school play and you can think about that and feel your cheeks flush just at the thought of it is like, yeah, that's the stuff that we push away. So bring those things up and sit with them and ask them like, hey, what's going on? Like, what are you doing here? Like, what, what do you need from me? Do you need anything? You know, is there anything I could do for you? And, you know, sort of just treat it as like, it's part of you that's come up, but that maybe then you can leave. It doesn't have to stick with you forever. Or at least that you know that you can now tolerate that emotion. Because a lot of times it's the fear of what's going to happen if, you know, what's going to happen if I let those big, bad, scary feelings in. And that we have a lot of fear around that. You know, I'm afraid to let those big, scary feelings in. But that's the thing is that by, again, just using that dial, just letting a little bit in and going, okay, that wasn't so bad. I mean, it wasn't great, you know, marinating in my own gross feelings, but I did it, right? And then you do it again, and then you do it again, and then you do it again. And then all of a sudden, when I try to convince people, because they're like, you want me to do what? This sounds like the worst. I'm going to pay you for what? To help what? I want to, I'm going to feel worse. <laughs> like, I don't want any part of this. And I'm like, no, you got to just ride it out. Because once you get to the point where those things aren't like prickly, when you feel them, it opens the door. Like now all of a sudden you're powerful and impervious and you're like, all of a sudden things don't bother you as much anymore. Your nervous system isn't as easily triggered. The things that used to set you off before no longer do because you've got better control over, I, I call it emotional fitness. I mean, most of us are very emotionally unfit, really, when you think about it, you know. And fitness is like anything else. It requires exercise. And I'll, I usually say like, hey, I need to work on my abs. Well, you don't just think about your abs and talk about your abs. You've got to do some sit-ups. And this is the same thing. You can't just say, I want to have better boundaries. I want my back pain to go away. I want, I want. You can't. You have to like actually do something, do some kind of work that brings you towards that goal in, in order for it to happen. Totally. I love that. When you got out of massage school, did you just start your own business right away? Or yeah, I, got, I did start out right away. I still do. I'm kind of like half and half. So like COVID of course hit. So I basically I went off on my own and immediately got into doing cupping therapy with athletes. That was kind of my jam, which I still do. And then when COVID hit and then everything was kind of shut down, I worked last year, I was working with just primarily with chronic pain patients uh, via Zoom. And, you know, I did that for a while. And then I started getting more into the the behavioral piece, the behavioral coaching, because like, again, it's like that sneaky way in. Because, and there were actually, I mean, even women that I've worked with that they come to me through like the, I need to set better boundaries. And then in talking, come to find out they've got chronic pain issues or they've got a chronic autoimmune condition. I believe it is so strongly that it's all it's all connected. And I'm not saying a hundred, you know, there are certainly people walking around out there that might have an issue with, you know, people pleasing or boundaries and don't, but it's interesting when you start to see the same patterns, you know, when you start to recognize it and then, you know, being able to like connect those dots for people, I think is really powerful because most of the time, I think women, you know, when it comes to things like that, we kind of tend to have like a fixed mindset of like, like empaths. I'm an empath period. You know, oh, I'm like that because I'm an empath. And it's like, you know, my life sucks because I'm an empath. I take on everyone else's stuff. Like that's what they're saying. Usually it's, it's some sort of like a rationale for the way things are not going well. And it's like, there shouldn't be a period there. It should be like, okay, you know, you didn't say I'm a sociopath. 
you know, that's like, okay, there's not really nothing we can do about that. But, you know, when you, you know, even when you are taking other people's things on, you still can work on setting some boundaries around those things. You can still work on being in control of those things and not having it control you. So that's like always the thing I get on about. I feel like is like, it, you know, these things should are never should be like a stop sign, you know, like fear to me isn't a stop sign. Fear means go. That's how I know. Like, it's how I know I'm on the right track. When all of a sudden I'm like, oh God, I feel awful. I'm like, oh shit. Now it means I got to do this thing. Cause <laughs> that's my, that's my body's way of going. Oh no, no, no. You're stepping outside your comfort zone, but you know, that's, you know, that's where you need to be. So to use it as a tool, you know, don't fear, fear, use fear as a tool of like, this is something my body is telling me it's trying to protect me from why. Why? You know, if you're walking down a dark alley, it makes sense. If you're sitting at your desk brainstorming, it doesn't make sense. It means like, oh, wait a minute. I was just thinking about something that probably is something I should be doing. And you're like, oh, we don't want to do that. That might be put, because here's the internal dialogue. We don't want you doing that because then you're putting yourself out there. Then you're opening yourself up to rejection and shame. And we don't want you to ever feel that because that's a horrible thing to feel. So we're going to tamp this down and you're going to keep on doing what you're doing. So and that happens over and over and over again. So just knowing that that's what's happening is our, our brain is, you know, is as intelligent as it is when it comes to managing our emotions, that reptilian part of the brain is like a major dope. Like it just doesn't get it. It's like, you know, woolly mammoth, new business idea. They're the same. Like it's the same to the brain. The brain's like, I don't know. I think you should stay away. I'm going to make you feel really short of breath and kind of like you might want to run off. You know, I'm going to make you feel this energy in your legs that you might need to flee, mm -hmm. you know, which of course is not reasonable. But we take that and we go, I think I have an anxiety disorder. You know what I mean? Or, I, you know, we don't see it for what it is. It's basically it's our it's almost a form of intuition, really, if you want to look at it that way, that your fear is trying to tell you something. Yes. How do you break through those people that are like, no, I have pain and it's not related to emotional. I'm talking specifically about, I don't know, a toxic masculinity type. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How do you break through them to be like, hey, buddy, oh, pal. This is connected. <laughs> How do you do that? The hard thing with that is you really, I mean, you really can't, you can, you can provide them with the information and provide them with the information, but the willingness has to come from them because so much of the process requires an internal shift in thinking. I equate it to trying to work with someone who, who should be in recovery, who's, you know, an addict. The person's not going to do what they, what you want them to do until they're ready to do it, until they're ready to see it. And it really is the same thing, especially with chronic pain, because people identify with it seriously identify with it strongly yeah. and to kind of chip away at that it can be a little bit dicey so I'm always very careful if someone's like very um fused with their identity as a chronic pain sufferer and I'll be honest social media doesn't do us any favors with this shit. you know these support groups that end up being more toxic than the problem you had in the beginning you know, a lot of these, and if you look at, you know, collective consciousness, I mean, basically there were a few chronic back pain groups I was in on Facebook trying to like do a little educating, you know, it was like, I'm your people. I understand you. Oh man, did I get shut down? Oh, I mean, they were like hating me. And, but even it was interesting being in the group because all they would talk about are symptoms, 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 symptoms. And I, I get it. You need that place to vent. But then as a result, I mean, everyone ends up more symptomatic. I mean, I can't be the only one, you know, I'm reading it. And as I'm reading it, I can feel my own back kind of. So it's like, 
Is that really the most beneficial way to join a group and all band together and have the same kind of, you know, this energy floating around where everyone's just passing around? Like, it's like this, my back's worth worse than yours kind of, you know, like I've got herniations at four levels. I've got them at three. I've got 25 rods. I've had four backs. And some of the stories you'd hear, I have failed back surgery syndrome, which is an actual real diagnosis now. And I'm like, no, that means that your pain problem wasn't surgical and they did surgery. And I'm not shitting on, I absolutely, you know, understand how it happens. But then when you get to a point where you're like, you know, it's like you're throwing money after that piece of, you know, crap car, I've already put in 400. It's like, how many more surgeries are you going to get? Like, clearly this isn't fixing it. Right. Another rod isn't going to do it. Another fusion isn't the answer. And it's incredible. I mean, and there's, and people know it, the doctors, the doctors know it, you know, a lot of the doctors know it. And there's evidence out there, the research is out there to show the efficacy of a lot of these procedures is just, it doesn't function, you know, it's no better than a placebo, which, so it's, it sucks. It really sucks. So getting back to your, you know, your question is it's extremely hard. It's extremely hard. And it has to be, the, the first step is always the willingness. You have to be willing to look at it from a different way. You have to be willing to take what you think you know and, and look through a different lens. It's fascinating stuff, but it's all so real because your mind is so powerful. And oh my God, it's incredible. Now, this is always my favorite question. What would your older self tell your younger self based on what you know now, especially throughout your journey? Oh boy, my older self... Don't listen to anybody else. <laughs> don't listen to anybody. <laughs> Actually, you just don't listen to anybody. I mean, people, I think the thing is, you know, like, you know, your own self. And the problem is, I think we listen, and then we allow that to change our opinions. So maybe listen, but don't necessarily believe it all, internalize it all, own it all, you know, do your own research, do your own homework. But at the time, you know, you're just going to go with what's available. You're just going to be like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. All right. So this is, this is what I'm going to do. Don't be so compliant, I guess. Maybe that would be a better thing. Right. And that would be across the board just in general. Don't be so compliant, you know? It's okay sometimes to be a dissenter. Right. For me, I'm always like the rebel. I'm just like, okay, but why? It's like, okay, but why? And then like people will answer your question and then they're like, what response do you expect? I'm like, I'm just wondering why. <laughs> you know, be inquisitive. Yeah, I love that. Exactly. I love that. I, and I definitely was not like that growing up. I was like, I was a good girl, you know? Okay, okay, okay. You know, there was no but why. <laughs> really? Yeah, me, it was all, I was always questioning. I still do. Everyone's like, Pam, like, why are you so hard-headed? And I'm just like, well, because I know that there's another answer and I know there's a different way every single time. So you can't tell me that it's just that. It's just I've, been, I've been a punk rebel forever. <laughs> And and now Stephanie, like, what what are you up to in your world in like the next six to twelve months? What's what's happening? Oh, it's exciting! So I have a couple of things I'm working on. I have my Boundary Boot Camp, which is going to be running over the summer, and then I also have a separate class I'm working on for empaths, boundaries for empaths, because that tends to be kind of a little bit of a separate thing that I'm working on. And then obviously doing like some one-on-one coaching. So I have a few things, and then I'm definitely trying to build my Facebook group, No Boundaries. And it's for women. It's been really fun because it's just, a, you know, it's all, you know, organic. 
everyone's very helpful. Like people will just post things about like, I have to have a conversation with my boss or, oh my God, I set this limit at work, you know, everyone. And then everyone's like jumping in and is each other's cheerleaders. And then it's the snowball effect. Like someone will post like, I did this today. And then I'll, there'll be like three or four other people within a week. They'll be like, I read that she did this. I've been wanting to do something. And now I decided I'm going to do this. So it's, it's really cool. It's been a nice, you know, just, just that energy of people, you know, women just deciding like, screw this, you know, it's okay. I can, I can say no. And then, and then they've got the group to kind of rely on and be like, I feel like crap. Everyone's like, I know I did too, but, but everyone holds each other up, you know, and kind of, you know, keeps everyone going. So it's been fun. So definitely been trying to to grow that because I think it's a nice, it's a free group and it's a nice space for women to go and connect to kind of talk about it's weird because there's so much to talk about, even if you're just, just talking about setting boundaries and people pleasing, there's just so much to talk about just with those, like those two categories. But I feel like I haven't really seen any place anywhere else that they have a home on the internet. And maybe they are, maybe I just haven't seen them, but I feel like I've had people say, oh my God, my friend told me I had to join this group or, or I'll have someone reach out and be like, I haven't really posted anything, but I've been reading the stories and I wanted to share something with you privately. Like all these like awesome little moments will come up. So it's really, it's cool. I definitely recommend for anybody, any, any of the women out there that are feeling like they could use some support around boundaries and people pleasing or just, you know, it's just a fun, it's a fun group of ladies. I love that. I love that. And now, Stephanie, where can everybody find you and your awesomeness? Uh, let's see. I'm on the, my website is knockoutwellness.com. And I am also on Instagram, same at knockoutwellness. And the Facebook page is No Boundaries. And I think that about covers it. Those are the, those are the biggies that I'm on. I have a TikTok that I occasionally post some cupping pictures up there. I'm like, I can't learn. I don't think I can learn anything else at this point. <laughs> Yeah. If anybody wants to reach out, you know, through any of those mediums and, you know, want to talk more about any of this, I, I love talking about this stuff because it's just, it's so interesting to me. Well, it's life-changing. It could be life-changing for a lot of people out there. So thank you so much for sharing that and your story. You're absolutely incredible. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Just so, so much for being here today, Stephanie. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. The only dream that I've been chasing is my own. So that's it for today's episode of Underdog. Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. One lucky listener every single week that posts a review on iTunes will win a chance in the grand prize drawing to win a private VIP day with Pamela herself in Boston, Massachusetts. Be sure to go to theunderdogshow.com and pick up a copy of Pamela's free gift. And join us on the next episode.